Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 83. It is the third week of October. It has been a while, uh, several weeks, um, over a month since I've been last had an episode or new episode, I should say, um, was able to get you out um, a kind of best of. There's every so often there are interviews that I really appreciate. I, I just think are really good, interesting, and for whatever reason, uh, according to the metrics, don't get the listens that, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's a big news day or whatever. But uh, so anyway, get those out to you guys, and um, just hopefully you had a chance to enjoy those. But uh, have been out. You know, it's been over a month, um, as you probably remember. Um, I had full hip replacement surgery about a month ago. Um, not great. Um, I will say this. Um, you know, all my life I have wanted to drive a race car with the you know, titanium in it, and, uh, you know, I thought that would have been so cool. Um, Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. Good surgeon. I had an extremely hot nurse that has uh, was been so so kind. I highly recommend that. I highly recommend getting an extremely hot nurse to take care of you for uh, three weeks after hip replacement surgery. That's uh, very helpful. Now you don't want to go full George Costanza on this and get way too fired up about the sponge baths, but it does help your cause in recovery if you've got a little motivation so to speak so uh that from that standpoint from a medical standpoint the doc says that my recovery is going well i was able to toss the cane and i don't need that uh, much anymore 
And so that that's really good. It feels like we're coming around, but um, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while before I chase anybody down, before I audition for any uh, Jason Bourne movies. And, um, you know, still a long time before I can uh, climb into a race car. So that uh, that's kind of where I'm at with my health. But I tell you what, it is uh, it's humbling. You know, I'm 6'4", 240 pounds. Uh, typically, typically, you know, uh, I feel, you know, like a pretty good about where I'm at physically. But, man, uh, this has humbled me. I haven't been able to work out in a long time. Uh, just getting back to that now. Uh, but man, it, this last year has taught us that our health is so important. It's so important to eat well. It's so important to exercise. It's so important to take the supplements that our food that we eat on a normal basis doesn't give us enough of. You know, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, that type of stuff. Um, really important. And it's, it's really one of those things that, man, um, as I get older, it's more and more important to me. I have to really rededicate myself. It's one of the things that, you know, has really become clear to me is that I have to rededicate myself to being the best physical condition I can be in. Uh, and, you know, we know that as we're chasing championships out there, as we're working in the long, hot days, as, you know, you know, you know how it is at the track. It's either cold, it's hot, whatever it is, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, you have to be in peak physical condition, or at least be able to power through that. And it's easier if you're if you're in better physical condition. I I kind of broke my body by pushing it too hard. Uh, but man, once you hit 40, um, if you aren't getting after it, it goes away very fast. So um, yeah. All those thoughts have been going through my head for the last month, so there, there it is. Um, what else? Uh, I also got some traveling in. That was not fun, uh, going through an airport, trying to maintain a uh, less than 90-degree angle when you sit down. So, you know, I'm on flights and having to sit on the arm armrest and using my cane to get through the airport. Uh, not great. Um, went to Vegas for a business trip. I will tell you a lot about that in an upcoming episode. Uh, but hobbling around Vegas, not fun, not fun, my friends. Like you want to go there uh, with, you know, new shoes. You want to go there uh, feeling good, having maybe put in some miles on the treadmill before that, because there's a lot of walking in Vegas, as you know. And uh, the the cane was not great. Um, I was lucky enough to get out to the track uh, one Friday night. During that double divisional, watch the top sportsman, top dragster first round of eliminations. That was great, but uh, then the hip had had enough, and I had to get out of there. So um, that that was not great um, from that standpoint. And then, then on top of that, then I got stuck in Vegas. I was supposed to be out there for seven days, which is plenty enough. And then the Southwest Airline uh, pilots and and those dudes said. Uh, you're not going to be a tyrant on my watch. And thankfully, those pilots uh, stood their ground and, uh, you know, said, let's go, Brandon, and got it going. And so I, I really, I've actually never been happier to have my flight canceled, um, you know, from that, for that reason. I thought that was really fantastic. Um, those pilots are mostly ex-military and we're not having any of it. And really, is that's changed the course of all that stuff. So that I think that all of that, the hypocrisy from the government is really coming out now. I mean, when they're mandating that 
you know, say pilots or you and I have to have vaccines, but then Congress doesn't. And, and congressmen's aides don't have to have, be vaccinated. Like the hypocrisy is just coming out. So I think the Southwest pilots for that. But we got caught in that. So that means we had 10 straight days in Vegas. And I don't know if that's a record or not. I'm going to call Guinness uh, Book here soon. I think there is a record for that, at least for dudes to come home after 10 days, um, you know, with a few bucks in their pocket. Um, you know, still standing vertically, did not bring any STDs home. Like it's pretty good run, I think. Uh, but 10 days in Vegas, way too much, especially on one bad wheel. But producer Chris and I did it. Um, pretty amazing stuff, actually. I'm pretty sure we will get um, some type of an award. I, I think it'll be in there. I'll let you know when that happens. Um, that said, I think we've got you caught up. There's been all kinds of craziness, and there's been great racing here in the last month. Um, I'm just, you know, beside myself that I had to miss it for the last uh, month. But uh, there was just no way to put out a good show um, the way I was moving around and what I had to get done. So um, happy to be back with you, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to have two incredible guests on today. First of all, Paul Mitos. He's the NHRA top sportsman, national points leader right now, and he is awesome and um, excited to have him on. And then Gary Rowe, the owner of raceworks.com, is going to come on and talk about uh, being trackside all the time and getting uh, the great photos that we like. So uh, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on the old heat, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put this thing in the water box and... Guys, girls, it has been you know over a month since we've last uh, been together. Talk about what are the hot topics in drag racing right now. And to be fair, there are a lot of things that have happened over the last month. I mean, we've had uh, records. We've had um, you know fights in the in the pro pits. We've had uh, all kinds of things that have happened, uh, but. To me, the just trying to focus, and really, this is maybe uh, something that you know is is up for debate because there's been so many things that have happened over the last month. But to me, the most important thing that has happened and the hottest of topics over the last month has been the timing system issues that seemingly are popping up uh, a lot of places, and. This obviously is a huge problem uh, for our sport. I mean, it, it we've spent a lot of time as uh, as a sport making sure the timing systems are better, um, that making sure that they are accurate. It goes so much to what we do uh, when we show up. I mean, racers need to know and have confidence in the timing system. Or there's no real reason to show up, right? I mean, I and I don't think any of us want to go, and this is no offense to the street outlaw guys, but uh, that stuff is maddening to me, trying to decide or let one person decide that, uh, you know, standing there 
watching cars go by at 200 miles an hour trying to decide left or right lane and it, we, we just don't need it the timing systems are there for a reason and they're not all that expensive um, they certainly are at the highest levels to make sure that you don't have to repair them all the time but the fact of the matter is we need to be able to go to these tracks and and be confident that the timing systems are going to work that is easier said than done uh, very very aware of that that said, you know, there have been a couple of things this summer that have kind of poked uh, their head up and have made problems uh, for both both the racetrack organizers, the, you know, the race director and the drivers themselves. And to me, the only thing that makes any sense is to have, a, a you know, belt and suspenders approach to this thing, which is have the timing system and then have video capability along with that and make sure we're recording everything. So for instance, um, you know, we should always be able to go back to videotape and, and be able to go, listen, that didn't make sense. Um, have a rerun, whatever it is, or go fix what we need to do. And I don't, sadly, I think I've seen a couple times this summer and it, and you know, not, all on the NHRA level, certainly not all in our top sportsmen and top dragster classes, but other classes out there, and it's happened a few times. And so, you know, there has to be a little bit of reorganization, I think, um, a little thought behind how we correct this because it, if drivers don't feel confident that the timing system is going to work, that is going to dissuade attendance. And, and you know, it, it gets talked about on uh, – on social media and truthfully it doesn't happen all that i mean given the times that we make how many times we go down the track the amount of times that it malfunctions is incredibly minimal but of course that gets the majority of the talk right i mean that's why here i mean it's in top of my mind here but um you know that standpoint we can correct those minute problems you know when they do arise if we have video backup and truthfully it's getting uh, cheaper and it's getting more and more available than it's ever been before. So, um, I think tracks operators, all themselves can do themselves a big service by, uh, using, adding the video to that, making sure that's something they go to whenever there is, you know, whenever there's a dispute or something doesn't quite look right. And then use that as well. And not just say the timing system is time system. really interesting stuff because, we rely so heavily on it, and it's been so good to us. I mean, the timing system has been so good to us for the sport. I mean, it, it's advanced the sport in a way that we just couldn't do without the timing systems being, doing what they do. But um, there have been some issues, and so I don't. I'm not uh, an electrician, so it, that doesn't really, uh, you know, nothing about that says uh, let me get involved and help the cause. But uh, I do know that there are. Um, you know, just some frustrations out there, and and man, um, we need all the help we can make, we can get to make sure this is right. And moving forward, nobody has any reason not to go to the track. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. Presented by Afco Racing. On with us now is a guy who's won multiple division seven uh top sportsman events this year he won the division seven top sportsman championship this year and he is your current national points leader in nhra top sportsman 
Welcome to the show, Paul Mitzos. Paul, how are you today? I'm, I'm doing awesome. Thank you very much for having me on, Rex. Uh, I feel honored. I, I can't believe I'm in the position I'm in, and uh, it's, it's an honor to be here speaking with you. Well, you've, you've had a tremendous year, so certainly you've earned it. And we're going to talk about what you think you need to do to finish the year strong. But before we do that, let's go way, way back. Let's, let's go back and talk about the very first time uh, you, you got onto this sport called drag racing. And, and how, how did it hook you like it's hooked so many of us? Well, I, I started, I, I want to say, about 18 years ago. My, my dad, Nick Mitzos, uh, started a, a ra- had a racing team. He, he started in the uh, competition eliminator ranks with Vinny DeSegli being his driver. They had a lot of success driving a six-second, 200-mile-an-hour car. And uh, I, I tagged along as, as one of the crew members packing the parachutes, doing the rollout of the tires, rotating the tires after runs. They, they taught me how to do the clutch because uh, it was an A-altered car with, with a stick. And uh, it, it, it bit, you know, I got bitten by the, by the snake. And, uh, you know, and then he went into pro stock. And, and I wanted to uh, – I really wanted to feel – I'm a very competitive person by nature. And I wanted to feel the, the, what it felt like to be in the seat. Yeah. You know, and and I, I yeah. ran track in high school. I've always played competitive sports, football, hockey, baseball – and and I wanted to see what if you know what it felt like to be in the driver's seat competing at a very very high level. So I went to the Frank Hawley Drag Racing School. Jack Beckman was the instructor, and when I tell you I struggled, it, it's it's an understatement. You know you have to do you have to do sub runs, and then you graduate to the next level. Like the first run was 200 feet. You're driving a super gas car basically, and and it's. I struggled. I had I lifted off the, the gas pedal, off the throttle, every time because the jolt, the acceleration, spooked me, and That's I funny. got very upset. I got emotional. I finally overcame that. Went to the 600 foot level, the thousand foot. I, I I got licensed, and uh, and and you know they kept one of our former pro stock cars for me, the Dodge Stratus, and that they ran in 2008, and. Uh, that's currently the car that I drive, and uh, to, to to imagine what the struggles that I went through when I first entered that class, and and how I had to repeat the very very minimal run, the 200 foot run, where you're probably only going 40 miles an hour, which seems ridiculous, <laughs> but the but the amount of acceleration to get to 40 miles an hour was was unfathomable for me at the time. And a lot of people don't understand, though. Oh, I go 80 on the freeway. It's easy. Yeah, but you don't do it in, in such a quick, quick amount of time. And, and most average people don't understand that, the feeling of the acceleration. And, and now that I'm going 200 plus, and it feels like I'm going 50. It, it's, it's amazing how the roles reverse. It's, it's incredible, actually. Yeah, no, you said it better than I could, but uh, the the normal response I think you and I and a lot of people get was, um, don't you just have to let go of the button and make it go straight? That seems pretty simple, right? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> and we all know that is not how that shakes down. And uh, you, you've made tremendous progress. from. You said that was 08. Is that when you went to Frank Hawley School? I, I actually went, um, I want to say I went, it was, I, it, it, 
it escapes me, but I want to say it was sometime around 04 or 05. And then I circled back and went to the school again. I actually went twice. I licensed the first time, like, I want to, let's say 04, 05. I, I was licensed. I was good. But I didn't have a car to drive, and it wasn't even on the table of, of even being an option. It was in my head, but not in my dad's head, who was the, sure. you know, the manager, owner sure. of our team, and really the controlling force behind me having the ability to do that. So when it, when it became an option, I went back to the school and, and, and licensed, and uh, yeah, and, and, and it, it, it worked out very, very well. And, interesting because i we first had a um, we had a 598 engine engine in there with one carburetor we had it on a throttle stop after i licensed we had it on a throttle stop and then i i basically went from going let's say 990 because i entered in a national open and actually runnered up my first race ever it was unbelievable that, there it but, is hey, there it is the drag <laughs> racing gods man they come they're they're yeah. worse than drug dealers i swear they they the <laughs> drag racing gods man here's a little taste it'll be so easy man we hear that all the time that's so great paul so, so in, one, in one weekend i went from going 990 the beginning of the weekend and I graduated to let's say 770 by the end of the weekend, just wow. slowly taking it off the stop, and then being wide open with a bunch of timing out of it. And uh, and now uh, the fastest time recorded to date by me was at the national event in Gainesville this year, 657 with a one at 211, which uh, wow, I, I can't even believe. I mean, some people are like oh, you know. You, you were going 175, now you're going 211, no big deal. But if you've ever been in the seat, you can feel three mile an hour. It, it's just unbelievable. And, and then once you do it a few times, you get used to it and you graduate to the next time. But, uh, yeah, there, there are so many things that I couldn't imagine that, that I would be as good as I am right now, that way back in the beginning. And, and, and the, th the thing for the success, and I, and I help, uh, coach a lot of people whether it's in my category or not in my category and 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 it's repeating your behavior you have to stay focused at the task at hand by repeating the same behaviors you know and, and one of the examples i use is you have to do everything the same i get in the car about the same time in the staging lanes i i put my belts on the same way i put my gloves on the same way i strap my helmet and my hans device the same way I do everything the same because once you you have a formula let's say that works you you stick to it and you just got to repeat the behavior by blocking out all the things that that can be outside distractions for many of us and and uh, I, I can honestly say that I've gotten really good at that and and uh, it's it's seat time it's nothing more than seat time I feel really really comfortable in my car I feel like I'm one with my car. I know everything that's going on. And, and you know, so, and I've gotten really good recently at, at, at uh, driving the stripe. You know, yeah. it, it, I'm, I used to be the slowest car in the category, and now I'm one of the faster cars, at least on the West Coast. Not so much on the East Coast. East Coast sure. cars are much faster. But, um, but I, I've, I've gotten good at knowing to judge when to lift, when not to take too much stripe. And, and, and exactly, I'm not going to say I'm great at tightening up the stripe, but as long as you get there first and don't break out, that's all that matters. That's and, right. And, um, yeah, and, and it's unbelievable 
someone might ask, well, how do you do this? How do you do it? I, I, it's all instinctual now. I can't even tell you how I do it. I just do it. And as drivers, we have to make split decisions in, in hundreds of seconds. And it's, it's impossible to fathom, but, but yet we do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and one of the things that I tell people is uh, that, you know, I had two inc- on-track incidents um, back in 2013 at a, at a regional, not even a divisional. It was some kind of national open in, in Bakersfield. I, yeah. I don't know if I got on the brakes too hard, if the chutes carry, ta- tangled in the wheelie bar, but basically at 185, my car over, went to the right, hit the wall, flipped over, barrel rolled, went back on all four, and, and it was it was it was awful. Um, yeah. So I had that incident. Then in an incident in Vegas, again in in a uh, at a national, I'm racing a guy from Division Five, Chris McCallum. I I got the win. After I got the win, I I thought I pulled the chutes. The car wasn't slowing down. I got on, and then this is Vegas where it's a mile and a half shutoff. I panicked. I got on the brakes too hard. My car made a right-hand turn right in front of his car. Thankfully, he, he saw what was going on and slowed in time where he didn't hit me and I didn't hit him. Uh, but my car basically did a 360 and barely scrubbed the wall with the front end by the, by the slightest of margins and the wing and the wheelie bars. But we were able to fix it in between rounds. We, we had this epoxy... We, we duct taped it all up. I had a spare set of wheelie bars because at the time we were running pro stock and we had extra parts because of Vincent Nobile oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. being in our trailer. And, 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 and I actually went on to win two more rounds, and, which is <laughs> unbelievable. But, but I knew what I did wrong. My mother says, are you okay? Are you okay? I know what I did wrong. It was my fault. I'm fine. I need to get back in the seat and get, and get back out there so I don't fear anything. And, yeah, man. And sure enough, I'm I did it. I did it. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's an unfortunate thing in drag racing where there are going to be incidents, accidents, wrecks. But, but in my opinion, it makes you a better driver. And so you know what not to do if you're presented with a situation. Last year, at the end of the year, I, I, I ran Pomona and, um, and actually in Comp Eliminator. And because they didn't have top sportsmen at the end of the year in Pomona last year, right, or or the year before, but but in any event, my shoots didn't open. Pomona is very uh, short shutdown, but I was able to get the car stopped because of the experiences that I had, you know, went endured before. Right, you don't you don't have that panic anymore because you're like, no, 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 this is I've already seen the worst thing that can happen. There's no reason to panic at this point, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I and, and I have carbon fiber brakes, which the hotter they get, the better they work. Right. And, you, and you you just can't get on them too hard. They're gonna work. They're gonna they're gonna stop. You just got to know how much pressure to do or how much pressure not to do. And and, and that's the key. Seat time is everything. It's, it's so valuable. It's it's funny because they'll I'll be at events where they give us three qualifiers, uh, or even sometimes two. And there are other racers, friends of mine, that oh I'm gonna sit out this one. You know, this, I'm not going to learn anything from this. We're not going to be racing in conditions like this. And, and they say to me, well, why are you going to run it? Why am I going to run it? Because every time I'm in the seat, it's a learning experience for me. It's, it's a shot at the tree. It's, 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 I cannot go down the track enough. And, and just every run down the track uh, gives you all kinds of valuable information. 
in in many many respects. I I, I can't. I, mean, I totally agree with you on that. Um, Carrie, so you, you've been talking about this a little bit. How how many passes do you think you've made in your your car over the last decade or so when you've really got involved with this? I mean, how many passes do you think? Because you're obviously comfortable with it now. You're doing it at such a high level. But uh, yeah, do you think there's I, a magic number? I, 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 it's definitely north of, uh, of 600. I don't know how much above and beyond that. And, and, and this year alone, I can tell you I've made 80. Yeah. And, and the reason why I know yeah. that is because my, my motor is on the brink of having to come out. And, and I have one more event, the Vegas Divisional. And uh, this, this is by far the, the most I've ever gone down the track. I, I've done 15 events this year which will Vegas coming up will be the 15th. Okay. I've never done that many events. I've, I've had the fortune of going rounds, but I would say it's somewhere in the area of 600. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, that, and, and that's yeah. probably about what you need, right? I mean, they say the 10,000 hours or whatever is what you have to have to, uh, perfect a craft. And that's probably, uh, right about that 10,000 hours, right? By the time you get places and test and do all the things, man, that's, uh, that's about right. Well, you got to feel pretty good about going into Vegas then um, at the last divisional then, given the fact that you just won one at Vegas. And I, I apologize because I saw you in the lanes and I meant to go say something. I just didn't have time to uh, go talk to everybody I wanted to when I was out there uh, last week, but or two weeks ago, I should say. But uh, you got to feel good about going back to Vegas, right? I mean, place you feel comfortable I, with? I, I I do feel good. I feel really good. It's, um, you know, some people may, you know, uh, crumble under the pressure. I've, I've gotten good at blocking uh, those, those types of things out. Uh, I feel really confident. I feel good. I have a great team behind me. I have a great support system behind me, my, my, my team, my family. Uh, a multitude of racers in Division 7 or, or that I have developed great relationships with over the year are behind me and and that really means a lot it, it really does it, it helps with your confidence with with uh with being proud of being able to live in the moment and really do what what you know you have what you know how to do and and i i do feel really good it, it's, it's it's basically right now there there are two people that can catch me uh, Jimmy Lewis is only a couple rounds behind me. Mm-hmm. He's a multi, multi-time national and, and division event winner. Um, he, he's awesome. Uh, Ed Open is, is another one that, that's, that's finished in the top ten probably in the last three or four years in a row. Maybe if it's even longer than that, but I've only been paying attention for, for that long to a guy like him. Um, but I, I, I do feel good. I, I do tend to have a lot of success at Vegas. I've been to uh, three or four finals there. Uh, I, I actually closed the deal. I got to close the deal and finally win at Vegas. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a track that I do have success at. Uh, we, we caught fire at the right time. And uh, just like an NFL team, you know, going into the playoffs, that, that's when you catch fire, you, you want to keep riding that wave. And uh, definitely feel really good about it. The car is, is running very, very consistent. We have a tendency – uh, to go dead on uh, quite often, and and really it's going to come down to the driver, the, the cutting the light, and uh, that's what it's all about. And and obviously the guys that are contending for the championship, 
are are very good at at that craft, which is why they are where they are right now, currently. And uh, it's it's definitely going to be a battle. But many people have told me I would much rather be in your position, Paul, where you <laughs> right. really have the lead. <laughs> right. You don't have to. Every single thing matters. Um, where I'm not only in control of my destiny, but it can also be controlled by the failures of others. So it's. A, I'm in the driver's seat, let's say, and it's a good place to be. And, you know, I was talking to my father yesterday, and he said, listen, I don't want you to feel like there's a lot of pressure on you. You've had a great year. However it falls, you're going to have a single digit on your car, you know, whether it be one, two, or three. And and that's something to hang your hat on. Be very proud. I'm very proud of you, which obviously when you hear that, it makes you feel really, really, really good. And, uh, and, Really, before the, the, the season ended, my goal that I said to myself, personal goal was finish in the top 10 so I could get that single-digit number on my car, not have my normal license number, and, right. uh, and, and win the division. And, and we've, we've kind of done that, and I'm not saying that now I'm going to sit back and not pay for it because it's all accomplished. No, because that I've tasted, I can actually do this. Oh, my goodness, we, we all want it. But in the same sentence, if it doesn't happen, it was a great year. And, and, and that's really all we can ask for. Is, and, and, and this is a hobby for us. We, we, we love doing it. And whether we win or lose, whether I finish first, second, third, or 60th, we really, really enjoy uh, drag racing and, and the people in the sport uh, and many of the friendships and relationships that we've developed over the years. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It really, really is. There's nothing like it, brother. There really, truly is nothing like it in my estimation. And uh, uh, you've been around. I've been around. And, man, drag racing is just a little different, right, in the in the best way possible. Um, before I, before I um, you know, let you go, because I know you got other stuff, tell us a little bit about your car, because I don't know enough about that uh, purple machine, and I need to know. Okay. It's, it's a 2008 Dodge Stratus built by Jerry Haas that was built for pro stock. Uh, when we were running, uh, I, we started with uh, Larry Morgan, let's say in 2008. Okay, and mm-hmm. and we we and Dodge well, Larry at the time was was making Dodge power, running Dodge. So uh, we we went with the Dodge Stratus, obviously, and and that's what the current model car was. And that year, a pro stock ran it for two years. Um, and after Larry Morgan, we switched to Alan Johnson power and then we graduated to the Avenger because that was the next model that Dodge was fielding. And we really wanted to have the same, uh, car as, as the people we were renting from so that we could learn and, and every, all things being equal, same power, same, same car, you know, there were no variables to say, well, he's running faster because he has an Avenger and we have a Stratus or vice versa. Right. So the car got parked after running two years in pro stock. And really, when, I, when, I, when it became a reality that I was going to have the opportunity to drive, we had our 63 split window Corvette and uh, that was run in A-altered. And, and we had the Dodge Stratus. And my dad basically came to me and said, hey, which one do you want? And all along, I was favoring the Dodge Stratus because it was in pro stock. I just liked the body style. I thought it was really cool. And I would always be attached to the fact that 
it was a pro stock car, and I just really liked that. It, it, you know, that, that, that meant a lot to me. So I, what I did, though, before I just pulled that, that decision, made that decision, I sat in both cars, and I wanted to see which one do I feel more comfortable in with relationship to the steering wheel, the mm-hmm. dashboard, can I see the front end, can I see over the hood scoop, blah, 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 blah. And, and the visibility in the Stratus compared to the 63 Vet was way better. In the 63 Vet, you're very smushed in there. It's a very small compartment. The windows are very tiny. And I just felt more comfortable. I mean, and granted, I had zero experience. So just sitting in the car, I already felt more comfortable in the Stratus. That's why they always and, chop them off, so Paul. I, I, they they always chop those 63s off and make them roadsters. That's that's why, you know, you can't see in there, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, so that's how it started. But it has been an unbelievable car for us. It's, it's consistent. It works. The way the chassis is set up, just every – it just works. And uh, it's it's been one of – it's probably been one of the greatest cars that we have ever owned. And – it's it's a car that that people have their eye on because it repeats and and yeah. as you know in tough sportsmen it's all about repeating you know you got to be consistent. There's no doubt. So what uh, I know you said you had a 598 originally. What uh, power plant did you settle on? Well, we went we went from a 598 with one carburetor. We graduated to a 632. Uh, it, we, we evolved, let's say. We evolved to a 632 with one carburetor. Then we went to two carburetors on the 632. And now what what the end piece is is a Sonny Leonard uh, 688 Chevy uh, Chevy Hemi, which um, right now it, it, it's, uh, it's the same exact motor that Joe Rubicek has in his car. Okay. And uh, he's, he's probably 200 faster than me. Uh, which he actually is, not probably, he is. And because we race at many of the same events, although Joe now races on the East Coast, yeah. um, we mirrored everything after Joe's car. And Joe has a lot of success. He just won back to back PDRA events. We actually just spoke on the phone today. He's one of my really good friends. And uh, yeah, 688 uh, Sonny Leonard uh, piece, which is awesome. It makes, makes about 1,650 horsepower. My car weighs twenty three sixty with me in it, and uh, it just works. It's we got the right transmission gears, we got the right rear end gear. We have our, our shocks are set up perfectly, and uh, and you know what's interesting is if we really worked on the car, we could probably be five to six hundred faster than we are right now. But we don't need to because the car yeah. works. Yeah. It's consistent, and and you know the old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> And, uh, right, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, well, Joe Rubicek is one of the all-time great dudes ever, and so uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that uh, he's he's good friends with you, and that you know he helped you get you squared away, or at least you guys have mirrored each other because, like I said, he's having lots of success. You were having lots of success. Uh, neither one of you are spraying at all, correct? Is that right? I mean, I don't I don't think that you guys correct. are. Yeah, yeah you're no, just saying, hey, no, let's go. Not at all. All naturally aspirated. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. Well, I I think it's great because uh, yeah, you've you've got the little different car, right? The the uh, 
Stratus is different a little bit than the, the normal Camaros and everything we see, which is great, which just adds to the class, I think, 100%. And and then I think you do a good job of also then, I mean, your, your trailer is, you know, that mountain view. And so that adds to the exposure that we get, you know, outside of the track too, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, um, well, thank you for coming on. That was uh, fantastic, Paul. Appreciate your time today. We wish you well down the stretch. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's it. Like, go get them in Vegas. Do what you've always done, and and wrap it up. Right. That's uh, that's what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I appreciate that. That that means a lot to me. I appreciate you having me on, giving me the time, and uh, and even thinking about having me on. It's, it's I still can't believe I am where I am. Um, but it's uh, I'm going to enjoy it while while I'm here because it's it's definitely an awesome feeling. Yeah, we'll go get it done. Uh, we'll have you back on when you're uh, hoisting the championship. Um, and guys, girls, that is uh, Paul Mitzos. He's the NHRA points leader currently in top sportsmen, um, and uh, so glad to have him on. Paul, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Like it always is, if you need high-powered legal help, reach out to DragRaceLawyer.com. Ed Harney has been there, done that, and is a racer himself, and so he'll know exactly what you're going through. But uh, today's half-track report is a little short, and the reason why it's short is because there's so much to cover. There's actually too much to cover over this last month. Um, We could do a whole podcast where I'd just be reading results, and I don't think anybody wants that. Um, Truthfully, I had, you know, I just, with uh, the operation and all the stuff I've done, I have not been able to, um, you know, just gone on and checked different results and things like that but um, have not been overly immersed in the racing action itself but what we have had and what we can talk about is the fact that the PDRA did wrap up their season Uh, they wrapped up their series champions and man they had a phenomenal season I mean just the fact that they had 70 plus top sportsman cars on their property last weekend um man it feels like the good old days again um is what i'm told and so really excited about what they've done uh there this for top sportsman and top dragster this year but tim mulner is your series champion he's the world champion the elite top sportsman division tim has been really consistent all year long and uh, gets it done, gets the world championship, the PDRA championship in the elite top sportsman group um, over the weekend, wraps that up. Peter Maduri does the same thing in elite top dragster. Those things are just uh, flying, and you know, bracket racing 370s, man, is, uh, is amazing. But uh, Peter Maduri gets it done, um, wins the elite top dragster championship, and then, of course, uh, Nick Maloney, who's been almost unstoppable in Top Sportsman. Um, he wins the regular or Top Sportsman 32 or Top Sportsman 48. Um, I still have not got my head around exactly how to say that correctly. But Nick Maloney, phenomenal season, wins Top Sportsman. and kind of won that going away or had that wrapped up 
um, an event or two ago. And then TG Pascal did the same thing in Top Dragster. I mean, those two guys, and arguably those would be the most competitive and toughest divisions in all of sportsman racing to to consistently win. Those guys had had summers, you know, series that were just I mean, dreams were made of type stuff with those two guys. I mean, almost unbeatable, had phenomenal summers, um, and great job to Nick Maloney and Top Sportsman and TJ Pascal and Top Dragster. And, and you can hear them. You heard both those guys on. Uh, great dudes, humble, and uh, worked their butt off to get in that position and get it done this year. So congrats to all those guys. Tim Mulner, an elite top sportsman. Peter Maduri, an elite top dragster. Nick Maloney, in top sportsman. And T.G. Pascal, in top dragster. Um, we'll talk about other, uh, like, for instance, NHRA divisional champs uh, next week. Um, there's also a the final Division Two event at Rockingham is next week. Uh, there is one more. There's only, I believe, two divisionals left in the on the schedule, one in Rockingham and then one in Vegas the following week. Uh, but uh, the Midwest Drag Racing Series has their final event in Ferris, Texas this weekend. So next week we will talk about the Midwest Drag Racing Series champs and we will talk about the NHRA Divisional Champs next week on the Half Track Report. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one minute and bring on our next guest, Gary Rowe of Raceworks.com. Welcome to the show, Gary. How are you today, my man? I'm very good. I'm excited to be on. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, looking forward to being a part of your uh, your podcast. Well, I do an incredibly bad job of getting um, everybody that's involved with the sport on, and I probably should have my pay docked for that, um, to be fair. But uh, I wanted to get on somebody who's around the show all the time and a big, big part of it, Um, and I don't think to this point I've gotten anybody on that is quite as close to the action as you um, without being in the car, right? So uh, maybe we should go way back to the beginning and talk about how you got involved with drag racing. Well, it's uh, all credit to my father. You know, my dad, he, he built a race car when I was younger. Well, even before he built the race car, we went to the drag strip on Saturday nights. My, uh, mom worked, uh, Saturday nights at a local grocery store and he loaded me and my brother in the back of the whole Ford LTD. And we rode to our local drag strip and we sat on the front hood and watched drag racing every Saturday night. So it's been a part of my life as far as I can remember. Matter of fact, my, um, mom, pretty sure she still has it, a picture of uh, me sitting in the buckle of an alcohol funny car header pipe, uh, when I was in diapers. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I ain't really had much of a choice, but to be around the sport, I kind of grew up next to my family. Right. What, uh, what track was that? Where was your home track, Gary? Uh, well, it's decommissioned now, but, uh, it was called Newburn Motorsports Park or Newburn Drag Strip in Newburn, North Carolina. Actually had 60 foot of grass in between both lanes all the way down the track. Um, eighth mile, small track. It wasn't sanctioned or anything like that. But uh, Newburn Drag Strip and uh, hell, the first time I went to Rockingham, I thought the cars were going to hit each other because they were so close together. <laughs> I was used to seeing that grass all the way down both lanes. It was weird. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's kind of the old school way to um, build those tracks back in the day, right? Is give them plenty of space in between and uh, and give that grass pad. There's still a couple out there like that, but um, but not many, not many like the old school yeah. version. Yeah, exactly. I've I've seen some myself, but uh, obviously when I grew up, you know, back in the '80s, you know, that wasn't. The internet wasn't there for to see stuff like that as readily available as it is now. So I thought it was one of the most unique places, and and that's where I grew up racing. And and you know we had some other local tracks that were close to us, you know, Kenston Drag Strip and Coastal Plains and Jacksonville, North Carolina. But uh, Newburn was my definite, uh, I would call home track where I grew up. And matter of fact, he was my first client for my RaceWorks gig. Well, who who was the or what? Talk to us about that first uh, car that you went down the track in. What what was the first uh, very first car you went down the track in? Well, I guess it would be at Kenston Drag Strip. I rode in the back seat of my dad's '79 uh, Plymouth Valari. You know, he had a baby Hemi 340 uh, foot brake car, and my brother would always let me ride as he warmed the car up. And you know, for bracket cars, it was running around the track on the you know staging lanes or the top end of the track and warming the car up and i remember doing that in the back back of the uh race car hanging on between the two roll bars and at kenston drag strip in, in north carolina and uh matter of fact one time the uh throttle hung open on us scared the hell out of me scared him too thankfully he reached up and shut the car off but the somehow another throttle had hung up and we almost hit a dragster in the back end warming the car up on the top end of the track it was a pretty scary moment whoa, whoa well it's it's really kind of fascinating because i have a similar memory right of being um holding on to the roll cage and and remember thinking man there's uh you know there's a lot of smoke coming in this joint and and <laughs> and i was like man i can't breathe i hope the burnout stops here pretty soon and now i think if uh if any of us, you know, said, "Oh yeah, the kids hanging onto the roll cage, we're gonna put this thing in the water box," I mean, uh, the, you know, child protective services would would come running, right? They would just, they would just, they would just come running. A different life, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A different life, and different world we live in nowadays. But uh, yeah, I, I never drove the car myself. I, I tried one time at Newburn um, to. Uh, I'd only been driving a very short time. I was only sixteen years old, and I figured I'd give it a whirl. But um, I left the starting line, and it sashayed a bit out about 80, 90 foot, and that was the last time I ever got behind the wheel of a race car. It, it wasn't my thing. I was always more into the cleaning them up and making it look pretty, and my job was the cool-down man, uh, you know, with a uh, water sprayer to spray down the, uh, the uh, radiator when it got back from a run. That was my job, and I just kind of took it upon myself to make the car look good. I was always cleaning it up and... You know, I always wanted it to look good. That was my deal as a kid. Sure, yeah. So that, um, so obviously that um, had just kept you going. And in, in how did then RaceWorks come about? Because uh, obviously you go from a kid just being around it and, and having that passion and make the cars look good. Um, but how, how did that move from, you know, that passion to RaceWorks.com? Well, uh it's a really long story, but I'll keep it short. Uh, I was, uh, just out of high school, um, 95 and the internet really became a thing, uh, for you to get a home computer and get on the internet yourself with dial up. So of course I followed suit like 
most Americans and, you know, joined in and did the AOL deal and all that. And I, uh, I ran across a, uh, a game that you could play on the computer that was NHRA drag racing. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I figured I'd give it a shot. And that was the one with the race pack. That was the one with the race pack in it. Is that right? <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it had. It was a game that you played on the PC. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, was, it was made by a company called moto one.net. And anyway, the, the game was pretty cool, but they actually created a, a series that, you could race offline. You had to submit your times uh, through a certain fashion because there was no online play. And I submitted my time. It was a top fuel deal. I, 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 you know, played the top fuel side of it and tried to qualify for a ladder. And, uh, you know, it kind of continued that route for a, a couple of months, I guess. And the company decided to upgrade the game to where if you had the, graphic knowledge and the the want to dig deep into how to find the source code in the game that you could actually paint your own car and apply your own paint scheme in the game and that was my golden ticket you know to actually have my own red top fuel dragster you know just you know childhood fantasy you know just right on have my own rich you know red top fuel dragster in this game so you know, I did that, and a uh, guy out of the blue um, through some message forums back then. There was no Facebook. It was, you know, message forums where you pretty much saw what everybody else was doing in the sport of the sim drag racing, I guess you'd call it. Yep. His name's Eddie Holland. Uh, Eddie Holland has become one of the most, you know, renowned uh, paint scheme artists in the country, if not the world, for his designs. Well, Eddie... Uh, figured out how to do the paint scheme deal too and uh you know i was enjoying his designs i mean his paint schemes were immaculate you could actually download them to your computer and he could send you the file and you could apply the paint scheme that he created to your car in the game mm-hmm. so uh, i i the, the 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 website that they had for the game I never liked it having a artistic mind graphic tuned. I guess as a kid, I was always drawing stuff and I just didn't like the website. It, it just wasn't, you know, up to my standards for what I thought was a, you know, easily navigated, you know, good looking website. So I told Eddie, I said, how about we build a website that people can download your paint schemes and mine as well from a website that I come up with myself. And we did, and he was okay with submitting his paint schemes to me and obviously me posting the link on these message forums caught the attention of a lot of the guys who were playing the game and out of the blue one day i got a phone call from a a guy by the name of kenny nowling that sure uh told me he was going to be uh managing a the exhibition series for the NHRA pro mod deal that was starting. And, you know, he was an avid player of the game and had enjoyed my website and thought the layout was really neat and wanted to know if I could go to work for him and AMS staff leasing to put together a website for the NHRA pro modified series. And to be honest with you, I thought the guy was crazy as hell. I'm like, you know, 
this this guy's calling me out of the blue and and telling me he wants me to build a website for a subdivision of the NHRA and at that time ProMods did not run NHRA it was not ever heard of it was not ever thought of that there was no way NHRA was going to be running pro modified cars but um he said give me a price I shot out a number and the next day he overnighted me a check and I quit the job I had and I went to work for him and Racework was born. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, I love Kenny Allen, but uh, he uh, he can come off as crazy, like uh, the first <laughs> first run, right? Uh, he's a well, just imagine. Yeah, just imagine me. I'm <laughs> I'm just 20 years old at the time, roughly, and you know, not married long, and my first kid, you know, just been born, and, and I thought the guy, you know, you never know. You put your phone number on the internet, you never know who's going to call sure, you. I yeah. get phone calls all the time. People that are, you know. I think I sell turbo parts, but anyway, right. um, yeah. And, and, and I, I hung up the phone. I was like, well, that sounds cool, but you know, there's no way this, I mean, he told me it was AMS staff leasing who was going to back the deal. And I'd never heard of this company and uh, neither had my wife and at the time. And I was like, whatever, just shoot out a number. If the guy sends you a check, then go to work for him. Sure. If not, you know, it was a bogus deal, but sure shit. The, uh, next day, my, uh, FedEx guy come driving down my driveway. I said, that must be this guy's check. And I called him up. I said, you really weren't kidding, were you? He said, no, I'm telling you, we're going to run NHRA. is going to run an exhibition series. Um, I think it was 2002 was the year. And uh, they ran a, you know, eight race series, I believe, at certain NHRA yep. tracks. And I managed I managed the website. Bobby Bennett from Competition Plus supplied the uh, PR. Roger Richards provided the photography, and I was the backbone of making the website look good and come together. And that gave me an opportunity to go to multiple racetracks and say, look what I'm doing for the NHRA, so to speak. And uh, obviously, I, I started my business based off of that pretty much alone. Yeah, give Kenny credit for being ahead of the curve with that stuff because, I mean, now we can, you know, pretty much say Puramod is the most popular class going and, uh, you know, uh, good for all of us because of that. So uh, that's 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 cool. So um, RaceWorks obviously has evolved uh, since that time when you, you got going uh, all those years ago. What do you primarily focus on now? Uh, my photography is my passion, my on-site photography. You know, I take photos at the racetrack, and I, I print them out right there at the track, and I sell them at the track to the racers, the teams, and the sponsors. Um, you know, we offer them framed or unframed, or they can do the digital files. They can, you know, have them sent to them. Uh, but uh, that's my main focus. That's my main passion. I, I love taking pictures of race cars and trying to make them look as good as possible. You know, these guys been bukus of money on these hot rods and I, I try to portray my photography as well through what they put into their uh their investments and uh you know sell them right there that's that's the main part of race works but it has evolved into that whereas initially it was website design you know i just sit at home from my home computer and and do websites well that's you can only do so much until you want to go to the track yourself and be a part of it and of course i've been around it all my life so i wanted to go to the track and you know offer my photography and every website needs pictures so i put two and two together and said well if i can get this track on board to let me do their website i can come to their track every now and then and take some photos so the outside world looking in can see what that particular track looks like what kind of race cars come there and 
you know that, that kind of how it how it worked with that yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense um and then um so that works hand in hand but then you also uh i'm told that uh you've got a another side gig that you do uh gary Oki, is that right yeah <laughs> yeah my music. i tell you what that 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 sure has taken off in the past a uh, little over a year uh yeah i'm a you know, my, my guitar is a prop. I don't know how to play the guitar, but it's a it's a cool prop. And I, I've invested some serious speaker system uh, stuff. And my toy hauler, you know, it turns into a back deck, which I call my stage. Yeah. And uh, I'll throw out my speakers and I'll start throwing down and having a good time and, you know, singing. And it's a nice release from getting away from the, the racing world for a bit. But yet you're still right there at the track and... You know, from what I've seen, who doesn't like good music when you're in an outdoor venue? And uh, right. people kind of picked up on it, and it's, it's been a really cool deal. I, I enjoy it very much, and uh, I put a lot of effort into uh, – I sing along with the artist. You know, that's why I call it karaoke. It's not necessarily karaoke. You know, I don't sing by myself, but I do mimic the artist's voice as much as possible, and I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. So I guess nobody's thrown nothing at me yet, so I guess <laughs> I'm doing all right. We don't need to go full Blues Brothers and put up the fence around you or anything like that? I, I never thought that it would get to the point it has, to be honest with you. When I first did it, my at-time girlfriend, which this week will be my wife, um, she uh, she filmed me live on Facebook. We were at Piedmont Dragway at an outlaw race in North Carolina. Just It was a Tuesday. We were hanging out waiting for the race to start, you know, and it was matter of fact, it was the weekend that uh, this COVID uh, crap started oh, over the geez. country. It was that same same weekend. We didn't know it, but it was the same week of. But anyway, I had taken my guitar and we had a small little stereo. We were cooking steaks on the grill outside the camper, and I started playing my guitar and singing along. and And uh, she filmed me live on Facebook and tagged me in it. Well, of course, that meant that my friends could see me live, and you know, a lot of my friends in the racing world saw this, and they were comp. comp- uh, comment and saying, you know, damn Gary, that was pretty cool. You know, that was, that was neat. I enjoyed that. So the next night I went all out, man, I bought me a honky tonk shirt and put my <laughs> boots on, had a hairbrush as a microphone and got up on the back of the truck as a stage and, and, and did it even more. And again, more comments came in, more likes, more people. And, uh, that, that very weekend people were like, you need to do that at the track. And, you know, when there's downtime and, you know, let people check it out and that, that's kind of how it started so I, I went from there and this past weekend in virginia at the pdre world finals man i i looked up from the back of the camper at one point and i know i had at least 100 people hanging out enjoying it dancing clapping having a good time and that was a great sign it, it was really neat and i make tips too they pay me i mean I, I make tips I mean, yeah there, there I, mean, I mean I made some gas money, and I don't even ask for it. They just offer, you know. One chick was like, "If you play one song for me, I'll give you a hundred dollars." And I was like, "Say no more." What's the name of the song? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. It's a cool deal, and I enjoy doing it. Like I say, it's just something I do on the on the side when I have a chance in between working, and uh, it's become a real cool thing. And people seem to enjoy it at the racetrack. Yeah, well, you're a man after my own heart. I mean, if you're gonna do it, go all out, right? Get the get the gear, get the guitar, like get some big speakers. Let's do this if we're gonna do it, right? 
Um, well, it's been a heck of a learning learning curve to 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 learn, you know, how to audio over over top the artist and you know mix the sound all together where it sounds fluent. It's it, it's one thing to hear loud music. It's another thing to hear loud music that sounds good. Yeah, and that's what I want. So I invested some, you know, pretty good money into the uh, sound system, and it, I've gotten a lot of compliments on it that it sounds really good. So I'm happy with it. Well, I think it's fantastic. I mean, we go to the racetrack to kind of get away. I mean, obviously there are pro teams, there there are guys that do this for a living, but for the majority of us, uh, it's to get away, you know, um, from our um, real lives and all that stuff. And, and man, the more fun we can have that track, the better, in my opinion. So I think it's that's absolutely great stuff. And uh, I think we should. I mean, I don't want to. You know, you can't be everywhere. So I think there should be more karaoke out there. Like we need to. Patent this, you know, get it out, franchise it, get it going. Yeah, I'd love to do it, you know, but unfortunately, because you're singing copyrighted material, you're not going to take it. But so far, yeah, as no, simple I, as that, you know. No, but you can have you a good time with the track, though. You can have a good time with the track, yeah. and that's that's the good thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's for. That's what it's for. It's not to be advertised, so to speak, like on that level. So, I think I'm safe in that respect. But <laughs> we tried. Go. I tried filming. It. I tried filming myself on Facebook to do it live, but you know they would flag it every time within oh, moments, within minutes, sure. and take it down because it was copyrighted. So I I did that, but it helped get the word out. And and now that it's a thing, I'll have people. Hell, I was in St. Louis about three years ago, and uh, uh, one of the pro mod teams. Uh, I didn't know them very well. I knew who they were and they knew who I was, but they knew me as the singing guy. They didn't know me as the photographer. <laughs> and I thought that was, you know, I walk up there to sell them a photo of the race car and they're like, you're the guy that sings at the racetrack, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I also do this, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, whatever it takes, right? I mean, uh, you know, no such thing as bad PR, they say. So that's good. Um yeah. And then, you, and we caught you this week, and I, I so appreciate you taking time this week because this week you're preparing for a wedding, right? You're getting married this week. Yeah, I sure am. I, I met the love of my life, Jennifer, uh, about three years ago here in Georgia. I, I moved to Georgia about four years ago from North Carolina, where I grew up there, and I've been living here in Georgia for about four years. I met her and uh, moved to where she was, and uh, now we're going to tie the knot, and we're going to have a cook out this saturday and, and, and enjoy it with the family coming in from north carolina and of course her family that's already here in georgia so we're uh we're expecting about 40 to 50 people in our backyard to have a good time and i'm gonna perform my karaoke for them so my family can finally see what i do when i'm at the racetrack <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it well that's great well uh given that you've got work to do i'm sure for the you know big ceremony and preparations around there um, I'm, we're gonna just thank you for your time. Uh, guys, girls, that was, uh, Gary Rowe from raceworks.com. Uh, Gary, we wish you well with your marriage and all that stuff that goes on with that. So, um, thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, raceworks.com. If anybody wants to check it out, you know, pull it up and you can click through it and see what I do and who I do work for. And, my main focus is to, you know, uh, try to get everybody involved to where they can go to one place and get to a lot of these tracks that I maintain and help keep the word about drag racing alive. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Folks, maybe give him the weekend, though. Um, he's got he's got a lot on his plate yeah. this week. So maybe maybe give him till next week before you hit him up, huh? 
Yeah, I got to go pick up the pig. Right. Uh, Guys, girls, that was GaryRowRaceworks.com. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we have got to talk about my man, John DeFlorian. Um, if you do not know who John is, um, go back, listen to episode number 13 of the Fast Brackets podcast. You will get plugged in. Uh, John was great and is great. I mean, he is on an absolute roll. John, of course, the shop foreman at Jerry Haas Race Cars. Uh, just did some actually some nice work for uh, Simmermaker Motorsports. Appreciate all his efforts. But uh, but really, my man John has been on an absolute tear the last month or so. For first of all, he goes to St. Louis, his home track, uh, gets the NHRA event win there on the quarter mile track, and then backs it up, comes to the PDRA last week at the World Finals and um, is just on kill. So he sets the new World Mountain Motor Pro Stock record in the eighth mile. He goes 4.000 at 179.56 mile per hour for the record. That is the fastest a Mountain Motor Pro Stock car has ever gone to the eighth mile. And um, he did it um, trying to get into threes. Now, this was kind of a conversation earlier this summer with the Mountain Motor Pro Stock guys. And, you know, they've been hovering in that uh, low fours for a long time. And the conversation was, who is going to be the first of the threes? John just misses it, 4.000 by one thou of a second, but does set the new event record. So that's kind of interesting going into next year. Um, to see if anybody can get into threes, and any three would then be the record at that time. But uh, he does, man, has a great weekend. I mean, so think about this. Uh, he wins on the quarter mile, then he comes to the eighth mile track, uh, is low ET every round. He sets the ET record, wins the event, and runs a 4.015 at 178 in the final round, uh, beating Chris Powers, who's been phenomenal um and actually won the uh series won this pdra series mountain motor uh, pro stock series there are extreme pro stock i should say for the pdra but uh great stuff out of uh the 825 cubic inch crew and uh so much fun uh, just being a pro stock guy kind of growing up man these mountain motor pro stock cars are just as fun to me watching row gears and doing that stuff so congrats to john DeFlorian for actual absolutely being on fire this last month all right let's bring this thing back in let's take a peek in the other lane let's do it let's take the stripe guys girls that is the show for today that let's uh pull the shoots on episode number 83 there it is. There's the wind light and Gloria. Oh, man. Producer Chris, right on time. I love it. Um, I will say this, and I do love Gloria, but I, I need to say this. Like we, For those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time, know that Gloria in that whole scenario is about never giving up about believing in your talents and continuing to work hard and and continuing to get up go even when 
even people around you might not be as confident in your work as what you should be. So um, Gloria is great from that standpoint and the story behind it. If you have not heard that, go back. I think it's episode nine. Listen to that. Listen to how we came up and listened to and made Gloria um, our theme song. But that said, um, I have had some reconsiderations. I mean, uh, I feel like um, it potentially we could have a theme song change. Um, so if you're if you're listening and you think there is a, a maybe something else we should change it up to, I've got some thoughts. So I'd like to hear from you. Do not hesitate. Throw them out there. I want to hear. Uh, but otherwise, we had a great week getting caught up. Uh, this week, um, we had two fabulous guests on. Paul Mitos was great. He's the top sportsman standout, and he's trying to wrap up the NHRA National Championship. It was great for him to come on and talk about what he's trying to do down the stretch to make that happen. Um, and then Gary Rowe with RaceWorks.com was so much fun to have on and uh, just a good dude. And we talked about all kinds of stuff, websites and Gary Oki and the whole thing. Good, good stuff. Um, if you have comments, questions, curse words for me, you know there are three ways you can get at me. You can use the Facebook page using Messenger. You can find me hanging on to a Southwest airplane wing trying to get home from somewhere. And you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. in Vegas. It was good to check out the uh, track out there. Um, wide open spaces and, uh, and a pretty good time, but yeah, 10 days is, is a little too long even in Vegas. I think it's a Guinness Book World's record, I'm sure. Um, I would say that most people that go to Vegas for 10 days uh, come back broke, you know, with syphilis, uh, some type of diseases that I, I know that uh, didn't happen for either one of us. We came back with money and, uh, you know, we're still standing for the most part. So uh, good good time for sure, but it, it's way too long. Even if you do spend a day at the drag strip, you know. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal – deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win in drag racing you only get one chance to get it right 
Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.